I don't like your tone. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Puck Talk Live podcast. My name is Logan Rosengard. With me on the call, as always, we have Rafi Serafian and we have Noah Foster. Real quick, before I get talking to the boys and before the boys get buzzing about playoff hockey, starting today, by the time you're listening to the show, 3 o'clock Eastern, or 4 o'clock Eastern time, we have our first exhibition game of the week. The show will only, at least until the end of the qualifying round, will reassess. There will only be one show a week. So the Tuesday show is what you will hear this week and next week at the very least. We will update you guys on our social media page. Follow us at Puck Talk Live on Instagram. Anyways, Noah, Rafi, how are you guys doing today? Noah, how are you feeling? You, you, had, some, you had some stuff done to your teeth. How are you feeling? I did. I had six wisdom teeth removed on Thursday. I'm actually, I'm actually, I'm actually feeling really well. Uh, yeah. Surprisingly, I've heard a lot of stories about how long it takes to recover. I've been feeling fine for you know since Thursday. Really, I was Does never really face, out of it. Uh, face still look like a marshmallow. No, honestly, it never really did, which is like very surprising. I look semi-normal. It's a little, a little bit swollen, but I mean, not you too don't bad. look no, you don't look normal on a normal day, anyways. But as normal <laughs> as you could get, yeah, I bet that's good. Exactly. And for for the normal that I project on a daily basis, I look fairly normal, which is good. Does swelling do anything to your forehead? Uh, I mean, it's already so big that like a little minor change wouldn't really matter. Like you wouldn't be able to know the difference. So I'll say no. I don't think. So. I hope not, but I don't think so. Rafi, how are you doing? This Real fine quick, Monday one evening. Thing. One thing you'd tell to people about being like all hopped up on the drugs for like the next 24 hours. What's what was like the worst part about that? I'm sorry to disappoint uh, people who say it's really who people who wanted videos of me, you know, under the laughing gas. I literally woke up from the like from the anesthesia. I was like saw a double for a little bit and then I was like perfectly fine. Like, no, like, I wasn't, like, super high. I wasn't, like, super giggly. I wasn't, like, sad. Like, literally, it was very strange. I will say, going under anesthesia and, like, first waking up from anesthesia is a bit weird. I, like, woke up, and I'm like, I, I don't remember what just happened. I last thing I remember is being like, oh, I'm a little bit tired. I'm going to close my eyes and being out for, like, an hour, like, two hours. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, I Rafi. Remember- yeah, surgery surgery's a bitch, dude. <laughs> it's a pain yeah, in the ass. It's not fun. Eh. Rafi, how are you doing on this fine Monday evening? I got moved from the five year olds to the nine and ten year olds. I oh wow, think. that's a pretty yeah. good job. I thought you were gonna be like I thought it was gonna be super anticlimactic, like I got moved from the five year olds to the six year olds. <laughs> that is a big jump actually. Yeah, there is yeah. So I'm, I'm in pretty, terms of like, I'm, I'm vibing right now. Five year olds are good. fine, but like I like do the five. Do the five year olds still bug you when they see you on the campgrounds? Do they still run up to you and be like falafel, falafel? Give me a uh, they, don't, ride. they don't call me that, but they have a wide variation of names. Incorrect Waffy. pronunciations of my name. What's that's one, one of them? Besides Waffy, what's one of them? <laughs> Ralphie. That's Ralphie. A, that's a go getter. I I have my I have my ID on me, so I like show it to them. I'm like that's not. Like say my name and I'll like pronounce it to them and they'll say, I funny story actually and I'm not gonna use any names I'm we're not gonna say where I work, but during drop off last week this mom pulls up in her car and is about to drop off her kid and the kid loves me she's like are you Ralphie <laughs> I'm like oh, no. yes and she's like you're doing a great job my son loves you so much blah 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 
I'm like, it's actually Rafi. Did you try kissing? <laughs> did you try kissing her cheeks enough to maybe give uh, get a get a couple extra bucks as a tip? No, but no. it was just even the kids are telling their parents that then ah. How, much, just, how like, much does a kid really like you if he doesn't know your name? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he's my name right. But I'm, I'm going to start I'm calling a... you Ralphie from now on, but I think I, whenever I want to annoy you or make a point, I think I'm going to call you Ralphie. You're going to get swung on. That's okay. <laughs> he, uh, we're going to school in different states. That's okay. <laughs> I'll, send you like a, I'll send you like a fruit punch or something so you get the message. Good ah. one. I am not, I, I'm sorry. It's, it's 8 o'clock. That one was actually pretty good. It wasn't isn't late. Eight thirty is late if you're a seventy year old man living in Boca Raton. You are none yeah, of yeah. But I wake up at six a.m. So it's like that. My you schedule. So, you know. We all don't have the luxury of staying asleep until nine a.m. Mister Rosengard. Hey, that's, I think that's, that's bad. Early, that's the earliest I've been up all week. That's the earliest I've been up all summer. Actually, that's rude. What? Anyway, we've got a great show for you guys. Today, we've got some housekeeping, big news coming out of Seattle. We'll get to that and our opinions on that. And then, with more information to each of the 31-man roster teams named for each team, we will be going over, again, our previews for each series. Real quick, the eight play-in series, four from each, four from each conference. Uh, that should be exciting, given our predictions. And look back on the show in about two months and see how many of them were wrong. That'll be entertaining. Well, but I mean, first, it's really going to be like a week or two. Like, well, we'll look <laughs> oh, that's true. And be like, we have, because like, only the plane series. Yeah, that's right. The ninth, like, you know, they're, yeah. By the time the ninth rolls around, we'll know whether or not we're right. That's true. Right? I, I forgot I that it's not the entire bracket. Well, we will have a challenge for that, which There's I'm excited for. There's only one prediction I want to be right on, and I, know, I think you all know which one I want it to be. Boston winning the Eastern Conference round robin. What? No. That's so important, yeah. No, I mean, it is. Yes, no. Yeah, kind of. I'd say winning it, obviously, but I was going to say Hawks Oilers, but we'll get into that in a bit. Can I have my moment Next real quick? Can I have that no, moment? go for it. We, no, 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 no. We're shoving it towards the end. No, no. <laughs> can, we start the, can we do no the housekeeping okay. one? Okay. The first thing. Yeah. It finally you get your way this time, Ralphie. After <laughs> you had to ruin this moment, you really had to. Ruin, I waited a year <laughs> and a half for this moment, Ralphie, and you just tarnished it. You just tarnished this moment. I'm sorry, literally going to cry because this moment's in it. I'm so happy. I have to say this. Seattle has finally announced their team name, logo, and jersey. It's fine. I mean, I knew what the team name was going to be for the last year, but they kept pushing swords, it back. Yep. Honestly, though, I, 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 you guys know this. We tend to have a good inside scoop on a lot of stuff in the last few weeks really and don't. months. This week, we're too. just smart. We, we have an inside. We, just, we don't have an inside scoop. We're smart. The only insider we talk to is nobody. We don't have like official. Like we talk to a Jason. Lot, we have a lot of correlation though, with some of this. With predictions, babies have a lot of correlation with baby seals. What's your point? Okay. <laughs> what? That's good. Back to back to. Yeah. Anyway, back so to Seattle. This, the, you're really ruining my spotlight right here, and I'm a bit disappointed. Seattle has announced their team name. It's the Seattle Kraken. It makes sense. I don't know why they would have gone with Sockeyes. That's such a demeaning, like, unnecessary name. Like, oh, who's coming to town tonight to play the Hawks? Oh, the Sockeyes. Oh. Like, that, that's not a cool name. Like, that, that just doesn't have a nice... Pretty cool. I like, think it's a pretty cool name if you ask me, but that's... Better than the Browns. Can, do Sockeyes do anything, though? Like, what? what's the point of a Sockeye? Have you ever like, seen a Kraken? 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. No. No, but like Kraken's such a is just a more like interesting, more like scary quote or more like upfront name. I feel like Sakai's is like it's a fine name, but it's not like you don't feel intimidated by the team name. Like really, like you're gonna have your mascot be a fish. Like I- I'm sorry, but I I can't do that. That's that's terrible. We already have the Canucks mascot whose last name is Finn. I I can't I can't take any more of that. But yeah, Seattle announces the team name Seattle Kraken. The logo is interesting. Uh, I like their third. I actually logo. like I like the I like their uh, second the S. logo. I love the yeah, S. and the second the S, logo. The S I like how they the, the, the they space have the needle yeah. with the space needle, which I like. The jerseys are fine. I I was a bit shocked that they didn't decide to go with the green stripe instead of a red stripe. I'm I'm sorry to the viewers. You guys obviously can't see the picture right now as I'm talking, but I'm sure you guys have all seen it by now. I'm surprised that they didn't go with more of a green base, like Seattle's the Emerald City. See, like, you look you look at... And the Seahawks the, jerseys, too. You look at the yeah. Seahawks. You look at the Seattle Sounders. I believe that's the soccer team. Yeah, Logan. that's their team. Yep. And you have the... What's the juniors team? <laughs> the totems. Yeah, Is totems, it totems. Yeah, yeah Even like, look at all, the all blue and green. Like, they they have that, like, thing going. I thought they were heading in that direction, too. And it, it was really weird that... NHL Seattle, like when they were just called NHL Seattle, like their thing was white and red, which just didn't make sense because well, that's just, when they, those are just neutral colors. Like, yeah, they're but not going to give like, anything away. I don't know. I felt like straight up though, this could have been announced a year ago, but it got delayed and pushed back for so long. Where I, I as happy as I am that they finally did it, I don't care as much as I used to. It, it's just not there. Well, yeah, now it's just another part of the league. Now we're just waiting for the first, like, now we're waiting for whatever uh, Seattle's Reed Duke is going to be. People forget Reed Duke was the first player signed by the Vegas Golden Knights, and I don't think he's suited up for a game yet. I could no, be he wrong. Hasn't. But, I don't know, I'm a fan of the Kraken. I Like like I said, I, I thought that sock, I thought it was going to be sock eyes from the video that they released on their socials, just yeah. because... You know, so it, it's, well, uh, it was definitely going to be one. The, it was definitely going to be one of the two. It was definitely yeah. going to be one of the two because they're out in the ocean. So it kind of. I like, thought I also got like, uh, like fishermen kind of vibes, like the Seattle fishermen, kind of like <sighs> with a similar the logo Islanders. that would have been with the Islanders. I'm a sucker yeah. for that logo. I would love to see that. Like, I'm not the, I know the Islanders logo. had it for a heritage night a while ago, but but like if again, like oh, who's coming to town tonight? Fisherman. Oh, the fisherman. fisherman. That's, no, that's that's you can, scary. If, that's if you wanted to see a fisherman fight a Blackhawk, you can go to a, you can go uh, up north to the Northwoods of Wisconsin and find a drunk guy swinging his bat at a, at a crow. Yeah, uh, sounds pass. about right. I'll pass. I'll pass on that because right? Wisconsin like, is already weird, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm not too shocked that that happens in Wisconsin. But regardless, let's keep moving. Running down a couple smaller but also good things from the week. Oscar Lindblom re-signs with the Philadelphia Flyers on a $3 million average three-year deal with the Flyers. Good. Real quick, I'm, I'm a bit shocked, though, that they signed him for that much for that long. Like I thought, I honestly did think it was going to be like a one-year more like, let's see where you're at. He deserves it. They must like, think he could play. play. Oh, no, no, for sure I think he deserves it. I'm not saying he doesn't, but I, I thought the payday would have come the next offseason. Like, they were going to give him a one-year, sure. like, 
let's see how you're feeling afterwards. Let's see if there's anything else, just to be safe. But I think they full I'm not gonna. Them, I'm not gonna good. be like, how dare you make this amazing comeback in the season? Be cancer, sign this amazing deal. How dare you? Like, yeah, shame on you for shame on you for feeling good about yourself. Yeah, now I think the, I think the, the the interesting thing to me about everything around Oscar Lindblom this off season, post season, whatever you want to call it, he has a spot with the team in yeah. uh, in Toronto. I don't. Yeah, I he's part of their thirty one man roster, which is kind of maybe it's a weird. Thing. Maybe it's a tributary thing. I don't. I haven't. Like checked up on the socials, the the social media pages with the Flyers. Maybe I'm a shoot Jason a message just to see what's up with that. But uh, I, if he plays, I think that's awesome. I don't think he will because I'm pretty sure he said he wasn't going to be playing until not this upcoming season, but the next one, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. you're right. It's still, it's still interesting, right? Like if he's able to play, I think that's an awesome. That's a hell of a comeback story, if you ask me. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, if, he play, if he plays, because he was di- he was diagnosed six months ago, yeah. So yeah. He, that that would be an insane comeback. He really would have kicked cancer's butt then if he's able to. Absolutely, yeah. you know. But I, I think it's just best for him to just. It's great to be there, and the fact that there's zero cases definitely is a good sign. I'm not going to wait because I don't want cases to happen, obviously. But I think it's in everyone's best interest that he just chills for the playoffs. I know it's hard, but just sit out for that, and then come back all ready to go because he because there's also a part two where like having something like that going on for six months like you aren't you need to get back into shape and to be a professional get back into a professional athlete shape that takes a few months so I don't think he's like the difference between him getting back and like a Corey Crawford no for example no no No? Uh, just like literally like a Patrick yeah, Kane, yeah. for example, where like he can just find that like thing right back again. Like this will take a bit longer for him to yeah get fully like he's he's a hundred percent done with that, but he's not a hundred percent like ready to go for an NHL. Play. I'd say he's like a fifty percent ready for NHL play. So it just needs he just probably needs a few more months. Running Speaking, down the list oh, a little more ahead. though, uh, Ilya Samsonov, Chicago. Washington Capitals star goaltender from the season. Ilya Samsonov is injured and will not be joining the team in the bubble. That basically leaves uh, Braden Holtby to lead the team in between the pipes. Good for him, I think. Uh, right going into a contract uh, offseason, bring up his market value. Dougie Hamilton from the Carolina Hurricanes is out week to week with an injury different from the one that took him out of the season early on. Max Pacioretty of the Vegas Golden Knights has a spot reserved for him in his hotel in, not Vegas, in Edmonton. However, he will not join the team until he's healthy, and he will not be able to rejoin the team for practices and skating and outings until he has four clear COVID tests and whatever other procedures uh that needs to happen uh, depending on how long the league feels he needs to quarantine for. Uh, there's a whole list of things in the collective bargaining agreement that, you know, allows him to bypass the 14 days of uh, quarantine that one would need to normally if they were to leave or not enter the bubble right away. But uh, hopefully he gets back. Max Pacioretty was their lead scorer with 66 points on the season. Speaking of teams and goalies, Chicago Blackhawks' Corey Crawford, our very own Corey Crawford, 
was out from phase two to the end of phase three with the virus, the Rona, COVID-19. I'm, you, sound, you sound too happy when you said that. Gotta be I'm honest. I'm not happy. Like, I, I, I don't know why I sounded very... I, you're not wrong. I did sound upbeat with, about it, but he's back. He's yep. made his return. He The last Chicago-based practice before heading into the bubble in Edmonton, he showed up. He skated around. He felt good enough, I guess, to uh, jump into the scrimmage right away, replacing Kevin Lankinen in net. Uh, for the first half of the Blackhawks scrimmage. He did let up three goals. He is nowhere near game speed, Edmonton speed that he needs to be. But he's back, and he's better than ever. I don't think he's better than ever, but he's back. <laughs> he's ready. He's got a fire lit under his butt. I think he wants to get out there and uh, get going, just like every other guy on that team. I think the, maybe, the even, maybe even more so. Yeah, I think the interesting thing for that, to me, if you listened or read any of the quotes from the presser after the practice, uh, he was, it sounded like he was very cautious. It sounded like he was very cautious. He had his wife, he has his daughter or two daughters. I forget that he was, you know, caring for him, being very cautious about. And when he got it, he was shocked. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's definitely, this virus is, you know, we've heard about all the news, like even like one contact with someone who is in contact with someone else who may have been in contact with somebody else. Like it, that's all it takes sometimes. Right. Like even the most careful people can get it. So it's, mm-hmm. it sucks to hear that he got it, but it, we were all very worried that Crawford wouldn't be able to join the Hawks in the bubble in Edmonton, but he's back. He is, this is, this is huge. He's going to be playing. Thank you. This goodness. is, this is huge because I take an 80% ready Corey Crawford than Mike Smith or Mikko Koskinen any day in the playoffs. Logan, I know you're Mike Smith spiel. I don't care. I'd rather have 80% of a Corey Crawford. I just think that's a key matchup that the Blackhawks need to capitalize on because I don't think Delia, Subban, or Lankinen have what it takes to make like a bunch of stellar saves on some high-scoring chances that will be created by Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. Yeah, Crawford was the backbone of this team, obviously. And we saw when he was injured through the 2017 to 2019 timeframe that he was injured for when he had his concussions, he he was the backbone of this team, right? The, the Blackhawks gave up the most shots from the slot, with, regardless of who was in net. You, you put any goalie in there, and we were still putting, you know, allowing the most shots from the slot league-wide. Crawford still put up pretty good numbers despite that fact. He was great down the stretch. People forget those last seven games after the Blackhawks trade Laner. He was amazing. Like he was very underrated those last seven games. The Blackhawks record was fine. Like it wasn't it was above 500 if I recall correctly, but Corey Crawford say, say what you say what you want about Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze. Duncan Keith, uh, you know, even Alex DeBrinkett or Dylan Strom. Corey Crawford's our most valuable player. Until he's off the team, he's our most valuable player. And until, we, think, until we fix our I defense. I think after Patrick Kane. I think after Patrick Kane, he's the most valuable player. Because I would without, even disagree without, with that. I think, I, think Kane is, I think Kane is obviously integral to the offense, but, like, we've, we've seen what happens when, you know, like, for the same reason that Connor Hellybuck is the most valuable player to the Jets, and not Patrick Laine. Like, without Corey Crawford, Patrick, we are a Patrick lottery Laine, team. 
We still were Patrick, a lottery team, but like Patrick Line is not a. He, I don't think he's. I don't think you could make a case a for Line being the best, the most valuable asset to the team. And if you wanted to make the argument, no, it'd be Mark Shifley, but the guy's also more of a, like he's two way, but he puts up the points too. Like he, like if he tightened up a bit more defensively, like he's pretty close to getting like somewhat recognition for the Selkie, in my mm-hmm. opinion. So he's mm-hmm. he's, it's like the Couturier situation. Like a lot of people wouldn't say he's the most valuable player on the team, but. Yeah, so I understand that Crawford could be the best player, but I think Kane really carries that team. I feel like if we didn't have the Patrick Kane on our team, we'd be we'd be a different team in, yeah. entirely. For offensive wise, I agree. Uh, regardless, circling back though, Crawford back gives the series a totally different look than without him. That it went from doubt. yeah. It, it that, went from. I think that the the goalie edge goes to Chicago for the sole purpose that Crawford is still, you know, like I said, we gave up the most shots from the slot league wide. You look at him whenever he made his return, even this season, it, it, behind the. This might be the worst offensive group we've seen since the dark ages before uh, before we started coming out of the rebuild. I don't think. Uh, nah, I disagree. Because you have to good. think Connor Murphy stepped up. You have when Dahan was healthy. When Oli, I do like Oli Mata. I think the $4 million is kind of hard for him to really play up to that. I don't, lo- I don't love that contract, but I still say he's very solid too. And then I, I, th- I, think, I think you're falling into the same thing that the three of us fell into earlier in the season, right? When we were uh, Before the season, when we were talking about the Blackhawks you know, making their return. The, to I, the playoffs, right? And and the thing we highlighted was the names they have on defense. Adam Bachwis is going to make his uh, is going to make his uh you know debut in the league. Um, you know Brent Seabrook on six on six man minutes, seventh man minutes. We had Ali Mata who can be re you know reused into a good top four defender. Calvin DeHaan who was the you know one of the was a top four defender in a very good Carolina Hurricanes defensive system. We overhyped them, and I think this. I think no offense to you, I I get what you're saying. I think you're still overhyping them, right? The, the evidence shows, regardless of the names and regardless of how well an individual player played, our defensive play from forwards to defense was abysmal. I and mean, was still great. Yeah, it was not That's good. what I'm getting at. This is this is the worst defensive group. I'm not talking individual defensemen because Adam Bachwitz is a fantastic defender. Duncan Keith, despite the fact that he's not the defender he was during the cup runs, is still a pretty good defender. He still eats up like 23 plus minutes a night. I, I think the pieces are. I think the pieces are there, but a big problem this season in general was finding the right pieces, finding putting the puzzle together. Carlton had the right pieces, but. Like, we saw in the power play. Like, no matter what he did, no matter who he put on what line for the power play, it just didn't click. It's a system like, thing. I th- that's a system thing. I'm talking defensively. Our power th- play is a different story. I'm, I'm, I, my, I what I'm getting think, at it. What, what, I, the I just bo- the bottom line the- that I'm getting at is you're, avo- you're avoiding it. The, bo- the bottom line that I'm getting at is Crawford this season and Laner this season sat behind the worst defensive group, the worst played defense regardless of whoever's in front of him individually that the team has seen since before the rebuild since before we were out of the rebuild late thousands early 2010s i don't think you can argue with that because we haven't put up terrible defensive numbers the way that we did until this season for a while 
I mean, we've been constantly. No, the last two seasons too, we've been lighting up a ton of shots. But we the weren't Blackhawks- league first until this season. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, we were we were not good this season, and we Crawford has been I, I Crawford has been fantastic. Face. Obviously, I, I'm not taking away from Crawford and Laner's work because obviously, without I'm those two either. guys, we we wouldn't be in the same spot. What I am saying though is, I personally believe that had Calvin not, and these are what ifs. I'm throwing out what ifs. I don't care. If Calvin DeHaan was healthy, who was our best defenseman for the first like 20 games until he got hurt. I think the shot totals would have gone down a bit more. I'm not saying that 35 shots is pointed at one guy, but you ask me, would you rather Calvin DeHaan or Slater Cuckoo as your next defenseman? Like Cuckoo I, all the way. No, I'm totally kidding. Calvin like, DeHaan is just I, I just thought that there was something, like, I don't know. I just felt that if the Blackhawks were healthy as a defensive core, they would have been better. Like, you I think have the, Murphy. Blue, the blue line itself would have been better. Our defensive stats would not have gone up. Uh, up much because our forwards all defensively were not great this year i i think that was the key thing because i feel I like the brinket and that that's why the brinket and Shrum have been so like everyone's been pointing the finger at them because they've been known for their like last season we saw so much offense but this season we saw with eric gustison last season he was so good offensively people didn't realize how bad he was defensively this season he's not putting up the same point totals for the hawks and it's obvious that that man cannot play defense for his life. Yeah. In other, in other news, speaking of actually speaking of Blackhawks defense uh, defenseman, before we move on, uh, Brent Seabrook is not traveling with the team to Edmonton. I feel like that's kind of important that with some of the younger guys will have a chance to, you know, even if this, even if the Hawks don't make it out of the, even if they don't make it past Edmonton, or even if they get make it past Edmonton and they get smacked in the first round of the playoffs these guys will have some playoff experience like boquist like uh lucas carlson like doc, uh these guys oh uh, we're talking defensemen yeah just defensemen yeah but doc, Connor murphy, doc here, but Connor murphy exactly like these not. guys will have uh experience so that's important to note and honestly if uh if we want seabrook to even be some semblance of a help to our defensive core next year or if we want his trade value up Seabrook needs to not play this offseason and be fully rested and ready he, to go. He's for been neglecting. I want, to, I want to point out something. He hasn't been neglecting, but he has not gotten the surgery that he needed. This was the first time that he got the repairs, fully repaired that he needed to. I think he's, is he going to be a top four defenseman? Probably not. I think he's, you know, he's 35. Four. He, he's 34 turning 35 next season, right? He. He he knows we say it. And he says that he has gas left in the tank. He just got surgery that fixed chronic problems. Sorry, that he we've is, been seeing. Sorry, sorry, real quick. He is thirty-five. My yeah, bad. You're I right. I was right. Uh, he he his a lot of his defensive uh, downtrends over the last couple seasons have been because of those persistent injuries and have been because of those health problems that he's been seeing. He got those fixed with the surgeries that he got uh, in, during the season. We hope he did. He, yeah. He feels, like, he feels like a totally different person, he says. In the interviews from The Athletic that I've been reading, he feels like a totally different person, which I think is a great thing to hear. Because if he's back I, I healthy agree. and he's a bottom and he's a, you know, a bottom four maybe a second-line penalty killer, maybe even a second-unit power play because, you know, he's got a cannon of a shot still. That's true. 
I think he's I think he's still valuable. I think we can I I think we're going to start cap hit aside. I think we're going to start bashing on him less and less starting next season. I think he's bound for a a good season next season by his standards. Yeah, I really hope so. I agree cuz that cap hit is terrible. Even if he plays like somewhat decently, like I hope so. The one thing I want to highlight though about him not traveling is I wasn't expecting by any means for him to actually play, but like he's a veteran. So I thought he was going to at least like instill some leadership, be that go-to guy. Like I, I just felt that he would be alongside everyone else on the trip. So I was just, I was a bit shocked to hear that he wasn't going to come. Cause I did think that he would at least show up. Like I didn't think he was going to play as I said just now, but I don't know. Real quick, before we get into kind of previewing the whole uh, with the new information with the 31-man rosters dropping, John Chaka has basically fired him. He quit. He quit from his job yeah. as the general manager. <laughs> you can't fire him because I quit. Apparently, uh, because he has he's seeking a different job opportunity or he has other job opportunities outside of a general manager position, apparently, uh Chicago Blackhawks have a vacancy at president right now, and I think that'd be kind of cool to have John Chaka, someone uh, somewhat underrated. I, I, I'm a fan of John Chaka's uh, in the president's seat, maybe getting rid of Stan Bowman and finding someone that can you know, properly manage things a little better and a little less old school kind of you know, Chicago from the early 10s and kind of put a new face to the franchise. But... John Chaka terminated his contract with the club. The the statement the club put out was very passive aggressive. They basically denounced <laughs> yeah. his name, something you'd see in like a divorce paper, something you hear about in like a divorce. Like it was like a bad, bad divorce kind of It thing. was pretty harsh. It was I a mean, pretty bad divorce. It wasn't very, like they did not seem too happy about it. Like you could, I don't know if, Logan, can you pull up the statement? Because there were some wordings that you were, like, e, that's not very good. Yeah. Uh, like he's like, they were like, how, like, they're like, they called him out for leaving right before they had a play, the playoffs started. They're like, why would you do this right now of all, of all times? Which, I, I mean, I don't blame them for saying that, but I feel like still, like, to call him out like that, like, yeah. Yikes. Makes sense that he left. Obviously, a GM isn't, a GM isn't, like, super important right now, but, you know. With the draft and with uh, postseason and the offseason coming up soon, a GM is, you know, a little bit important to a team that's uh, looking to make some yeah. trade. Just a before little bit. We, before, before we kind of throw it over to Rafi to transition us uh, with his showly spiel about how good the NHL is handling things, I'm going to read this statement. John Chaka has quit as the general manager and president of hockey operations of the Arizona Coyotes. The club is disappointed in his actions and his timing as the Coyotes prepare to enter the NHL's hub city of Edmonton, where the team will begin postseason play for the first time since 2012. Cheka has chosen to quit on a strong and competitive team, a dedicated staff, and the Arizona Coyotes fans, the greatest fans in the NHL. The club is moving forward, and is named Steve Sullivan as interim general manager. He has full support of the entire organization, including team ownership, executive leadership, players, and coaches. The club will have no further comments on the matter as the club remains focused on the opportunity to pursue a Stanley Cup. Bad divorce written all 
over it. Two, Rafi, two, two things. First off, the Coyotes having the greatest fans, that's hilarious. Second off. I mean, you got to remember, technically it's the same franchise that started the whiteout in Winnipeg in the 80s. Yeah, but still, like right but... now, the Coyotes are like, the Coyotes are the Coyotes. And Current Coyotes fans, I agree. Second off, did you guys know that the NHL is doing an amazing job right now with this whole COVID situation? As of Rafi, I haven't heard Rafi, I haven't heard so, anything about it. Could you please inform us? Thank you. Well, actually, you do. Know, you both know about it. I'm, I need your help with this. So, so there were zero positive cases out of over four thousand tests. When was this taken? In the last week? Yes. Or was it? Uh, yesterday, I believe. Yesterday. So this is amazing. Once again, NHL and then the NBA. I'll give them their props too. Doing a great job staying on top of this. This is really big and. Again, NHL is working really good with their PA. NBA is doing a great job as well. Props to them. Good job for working together. Cooperation. And real quick, yeah, real quick, uh, kind of what we're talking about and why the NHL is so good. The MLB is. Uh, yeah, I was gonna start yikes. on that too. MLB is MLB is in a They're tough in situation crisis. right now. Yeah, I don't want to get too much into it because this could be a whole other discussion that we've we've talked about it before. But what we know right now, as of right now, assuming there are still zero positive cases in the bubble. And that if the bubble works, then that could be an idea going into next season. Right now, what we've seen from the MLB is that their strategy does not work. Is anybody surprised? Not at all. But they went through with that anyway, and now they're paying the repercussions. So if the bubble strategy works, honestly, expect to see it. You might expect to see it. And maybe have instead of having two, you have like three, four, five hub cities on, for the entire season. So, Or for at least part of the season. So just that's just something to keep in mind as we get closer to December 1st. Expected start of the 2020-2021 season. See, the thing is with the MLB, and then we can move on. I just is, don't think enough players bought into it. That that definitely, because there's already that really bad negotiation. It's Yikes. swampy negotiation between the PA and the players. That took like a few weeks. That was really rough. And then you have this right now where it's like, it's a, two games have just been postponed, and it's, it's in a sixty-game season. You can't be like postponing or canceling games, and then you just have the fact that there's now an outbreak for a team where there's over, I believe, ten cases now. The traveling just is not working, and the testing obviously did not work as well. They should probably should have been testing. No, they should, no no not probably. They should have been testing their players constantly and everyone in the organization. And I think this was a bit too far rushed into it. I feel like had they played it out a bit more slower, I think this could have implanted out a bit better. This could have worked. But in my opinion, it was a bit too rushed. It wasn't too thought out. And in my my opinion, and then we can move on to our main chunk of the show, I don't even think that it was logical to even have an MLB season. I get it for the money, but from a – just a perspective. It just looked like nothing was really working. The PA was not having a good time right now with the players and, or the PA and the owners were not having a good time. And this just felt too rushed and it didn't, I I just felt like it wasn't going to work and they're clear. It's just not worked out for them. So I'm not saying commissioner Manfred's an idiot, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I I am going to say, the thing is Mr. Manfred's a moron. The way that the board of governors, or whatever they call it in the MLB, d- definitely didn't think, right? Like, I agree. At all. Look at it all. It, 
here, here's the difference between where the NBA and the NHL are compared to the MLB. Yeah, the MLB I was about has to talk about a regular this, season to play. They can't afford like if it was if if the MLB had a similar schedule to the NBA and the NHL, I guarantee the players would want to bubble up because they would have less time to spend in a bubble. They have 60 games and a postseason to play. Yeah. Right? They're planning to end their season at the same time they would, sometime in October, November. They would have to sit in the bubble from July to to October, November. That's a lot of time, right? And, you know, the, with this, the way that the MLB scheduling works, you're playing three games a week. You're playing more than that. You're playing maybe five games a week. You have three games. You have a day off for travel, and then you play the next day, and then you you have a break Monday. You play Tuesday. It, it's a totally different style of schedule. If they were in the playoffs now, they'd be bubbling up. That's the sure. only. I agree. They would have made it work. However, however, I'll say this, and then th- that's it on the topic because we're spending too much time on not hockey. And frankly, I don't care enough about baseball. I don't want to see it go down because sports is great, and I love sports like anyone else loves sports. But this needs it's to be baseball. said. I think I think there th- th- there was a better way to go about it. I think their testing procedures are totally out of whack. I think I don't think the management clearly has done enough, considering that there have been positive tests. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just an uninformed hockey fan, an uninformed baseball fan that doesn't understand how players buy in or don't buy in. But I don't necessarily think there was enough buy in or is enough buy in between coaching staff, management, and players. For everyone to buy and understand that this is a severe thing and five cases on a team is not acceptable, that's it, right? There needs to be buy-in, and until there is, I don't necessarily see the league lasting more than until the middle of August. We're going to see a month of baseball, and that's it. One one more comment, too, and then I promise we'll move on. David Price, too, I think yesterday or two days ago, Made a comment. He was originally he said he was going to sit out, and then he made a comment a day or two ago talking about like this is why I decided to sit out. Blah 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 blah. That's a you don't like not saying that he shouldn't have said that, but the fact that he said that just sends a huge message to everyone in the sports world on how the MLB is handling this. And I wouldn't be shocked if in the next week or two the MLB season just gets canceled and they just call it off. Say this isn't working. But moving on to something that we do know is happening in the next week that we're all very pumped for. We cannot wait. The playing rounds begin. And the round robins, too. Props to the round robins. Go Bruins. So we're Exhibition just games start today, too. Today being the time the show is uploaded on Tuesday. Tuesday, yes. Indeed. I want to talk real quick. Hometown series. Hawks, Oilers. We all think Hawks in five. Two sentences each, because we've talked about this a lot, and I want to get to other series that uh, aren't as uh, that don't have a lot of skin, our own skin in the game. Noah, two sentences. Why do you think the Hawks are going to win in five? I'll start by saying Corey Crawford is a better goaltender than either uh, Koska or Smith. That is a huge advantage in uh, a matchup, and assuming Crawford, assuming Crawford plays at least. To eighty percent of his full capacity, to his full capacity, or between eighty and one hundred percent, his full capacity, uh, they will be at a massive advantage in goaltending. Offense, we are definitely at a disadvantage, but defense—if the defense can make it work, then there should be there should be 
little reason why the Blackhawks don't take it to five, and hopefully in that fifth game they pull out a victory. Rafi, two sentences are the equivalent of what Noah said. So, Blackhawks have better goaltending. They, they, I think Edmonton's defense is only a bit better than Chicago's. I, there's no one on Edmonton that really scares me. Mm-hmm. The Blackhawks have much better depth. Yes, you have Drysdale and McDavid. But then again, this is how I'm thinking about this, and this could be sound totally crazy to whoever's listening to, listening to this. You can tell me. I don't care. I'll talk to you about it. Patrick Kane cancels out Connor McDavid early on Drysdale. So that leaves one guy left for the rest of the team. I think the Blackhawks' depth sizes up much better than Edmonton's depth. I think after Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, and McDavid, there's a huge fall-off in town. Blackhawks, we don't really see that. We see Kane, a bit of a drop-off. You have Kane, you have uh, Debrinkit, Doc, who Logan's mentioned numerous times, looking great. Kubelik, Tay is just to name a few. Blackhawks' defensive core is all right. Key matchup, if the, or key X-factor, if the Blackhawks stay disciplined and don't give Edmonton too many power plays opportunities, I think this this is an easy series for me to take Blackhawks in five. Logan, what's your two cents? I'll say this. Corey Crawford, I don't necessarily think he's better than playoff Mike Smith, but I think he has... He, he, he gives them the advantage just because Corey Crawford has two cups under his belt. We held Connor McDavid and Lee, we held Connor McDavid to one point, zero points in the two contests that we had with him in it. We won the regular season series. I know the regular season is four months ago. Two to one. David Kampf is healthy. David Kampf is 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 the antidote, it seemed like, to uh Connor McDavid. David Kampf is the ideal defensive forward to match up against Connor McDavid. Here, here's here's what I'll say. The Blackhawks and the Oilers are very similar teams. Our defenses suck. We have pretty electric offense when they want to light up. And our goalies are consistent. I think our defense can, I I genuinely think our defense can, you know, outmatch, or our offense can find more holes in their defense than their offense can find holes in ours. And that's what it's going to come down to. It's not it, both teams can score, both teams can stop pucks. Stopping the rush is a different thing. I think Chicago is going to be able to stop the rush better than Edmonton. Blackhawks in five. There you have it. I want to shift out east real quick. Sergei Bobrovsky have a bounce? Does he have a bounce back postseason? Or does he continue on the trend? Mind you, this is four months off. He, you know, he's still in his first year. You never know what happened in four months. Does Bobrovsky have a bounce back postseason and help the Panthers go somewhere, make noise? I, I give you half of that. I do think Bobrovsky will come back in some way, shape, or form, and he'll be better than he was throughout the regular season. But I do think that the Islanders all around as a team size up much better than the Panthers do. I know that first sign of having Barkov and Huberto is definitely something scary. But I do think the Islanders are a more complete team. So even if Bobrovsky's stellar in that, I still think the Islanders just have a bit better of a 
team all around than Florida does. I wrote a full analysis of the series up on hotshotsmedia.net. Uh, but basically, what it comes down to, the uh, Rafi's right. The Panthers' offense is just better than the Islanders' offense. It's deeper. It's more. Ta- it has more talented guys. It's just better. Matt Barzell is really good, but he can't carry an offense by himself. But Varlamov and Grice are just so, so, so much better than Bobrovsky. And Bobrovsky sucked this year. I'll say he was this terrible. Season. This season. Had, For this, I know, this season. I said this season. He had a below... For Grice, too. He had a below .9 save percentage, and he had above a three goals allowed per game. That is, like, disgusting numbers. That is, like, actually disgusting. It, it's just... It, you know, get it off my screen. Nasty. It, the Florida's defense cannot... If Bobrovsky keeps playing like this... Uh, Florida's defense will have to work so much harder than um, the Islanders' defense. They might take a couple games because they're offense, right? Because the Islanders' defense isn't isn't fantastic. It's not the Canes, so it's not the Bruins. It's not um, what's it called? It's not the Flyers. It's not everyone's defense. It's not the best defense. So the Panthers could the Panthers could steal one or two games because of their offense. But if Bobrovsky doesn't play well, the Islanders' offense is going to capitalize at some point, right? The Florida defense can't hold it forever. Islanders in five. Yeah, I have the Islanders in five as well. I don't think I said that, but yeah, I agree. It, it's gonna Florida's defense is also like we really saw. I felt like we really saw a big difference too in Bobrovsky's numbers, and partially because he went from such an amazing defense for Columbus, their core is probably top five in the league, to a Florida core that has Keith Yandel and Aaron Ekblad. But other than that doesn't have any other names that are really like top four guys. So yeah, I, I feel like that could be also be credited as bad numbers, but yeah, he needs to really step up if they want any chance. Logan. I'll, I'll say this about Bobrovsky. I, I think that he is primed and ready for a bounce back postseason. I don't know how much of a bounce back it'll be. Will it be, uh, you know, the difference between a nine, you know, like a nine Oh five save percentage and a nine fifteen, or will we see a, Vesna candidate Bobrovsky show up somewhere someone that was able to stop the Tampa Bay Lightning and help the Columbus Blue Jackets sweep them last postseason kind of Bobrovsky I I think we'll see a bounce back I don't know to what extent when you have Sasha Barkov and you have Jonathan Huberdeau on the ice together or separate times and you have Eric Howla and you have a newly acquired Lucas Walmark who's going to be the second-line centerman, in my opinion, for the Florida Panthers. I think you have a pretty good top six there. Their defense, fine. Standard defense. I don't necessarily have a problem with their defense. Keith Yandel is a force. He's a pest. I I think what's going to be the difference is the big matchup to me is the top six from both teams. Who's going to be able to maintain pace game to game? And I, th- I really think it's going to be Florida. I really think Florida in, in four or five. That, that's my take on it. I think, sure. d- don't get me wrong, Matthew Barzell is fantastic. I love Matthew Barzell. I think he's going to be one of the best forwards of the next decade. I think him uh, on the team, Honors Lee is captain. I think a newly acquired John gabriel Pajot, uh in a, you know, scoring middle six kind of uh, role that he has right now on the team. I, I think it's I think it's a good recipe for a great series. 
I still think Florida Florida's going to dig deep down. Mike Hoffman's going to light up and prove that he's worth an extension maybe in uh, South Florida. And I think it's going to be Panthers in four or five. Yeah, there's a lot of players like Bob, that are in the same situation as Bobrovsky, like Brain Holpe, DeBrinkett, and other players too that didn't have too good of a regular season campaign and really would like to step it up or just play back to how they normally are. I felt like there's always players that are that have rough seasons and that goes into the playoffs, but having this four months of time off could really be a big difference maker for some of these guys. And hopefully yep. if Bobrovsky resets it and gets ready to go and is back to 80% of his Columbus self, I wouldn't be shocked if Florida wins at five. I think this is a very underrated series. I think it's going to be very good in a sense that it's going to be low scoring, but neither defense is going to be It's going to be a tight series. But, yeah. Will be. It's not going to – there's not going to be too many blowouts, in my opinion. I want to take a look geographically, uh, for, for Florida at least, north of their hometown, Toronto, Columbus – Toronto's the eight seed. Columbus is the nine seed. John Tortorella having another fantastic Jack Adams worthy year. They're all healthy. Toronto Maple Leafs Stanley Cup or bust window is closing and fast, considering that cap is going to catch up to them. And Kyle Dubas, as much as he's been managing the cap surprisingly well, even though they have no cap space to work with. He he needs to he needs to prove something with his roster, or him and the roster are going down the drains and elsewhere. Columbus in five, my bad. Yeah, Columbus in five. Yeah, I I agree. I think Toronto obviously you Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, and John Tavares definitely help your offense, but the fall off from Morgan Riley on defense is just too much for me to really have faith in that defensive core. I think we've seen multiple seasons first Boston where they've just haven't been able to shut down Boston's top line. Columbus's top six is above average, but isn't there's no big names anymore. Obviously we had Duchesne, we had Panarin. Gustav Nyquist, they have uh Pierre Luc Dubois and they have Cam Atkinson. Outside Which, of that by, by, by no means they aren't a top heavy team, but they have a, guys all around on their offense, even on the fourth line that I believe can Punch in a goal. They have a they have a sneaky fast offense, and I think it's going to be able to outmatch the Leafs. I and think I, the Leafs forwards are maybe the you know the, the, they might have the best top six on paper in the league. Don't get me wrong, but Boston's are great. But I don't think you can deny the sheer firepower of John Tavares, Mitch Marner, Willie Nylander, Austin Matthews, uh, to, na- to name a guy. To name those four see, guys. See, the thing that. is for me is the fact that. Boston's defense, and I love Boston's defense. Columbus's defense is much better than Boston's defense. If the Matthews, Tavares, Marner trio can't get through that Boston team in four games, I don't know how they're going to get through Columbus enough times to win three games in that series. I I just feel like as great as those three players are on Toronto, if they're not putting up three points combined a night, I just think that Columbus's defense is just going to overpower them in this series. And I think, personally, too, 
the goaltending matchup, you guys have mentioned a lot about Frederick Anderson. I think it's much closer than a lot of people make it out to be, personally. I, I yeah. Th- I think, yeah. Here's the here's the thing. The so the the goaltending situation is very interesting. Sorry, I lost my train of thought for a second. Frederick Anderson is going to be the starter, right? He's had playoff experience. While Corpy Salo or Merzlikens, we think Corpy Salo is going to probably going to be the starter. They've had literally zero games of playoff experience. So Frederick Anderson, as much as I dislike him as a goaltender, I still think he has the advantage because he has the pressure situation and playoff scenario where he has that advantage without a doubt. So I think that's important. And I think the matchup you're going to want to watch is the Maple Leafs offense, best top six in the league, versus uh, the Blue Jackets defense, best top pairing in the league. Uh, There is... If if the Maple Leafs offense can find a way through the Blue Jackets defense in like the first two games, this series is over. It's just so over. The Blue Jackets offense is fine. It's solid. Maple Leafs defense is maybe good enough to hold them off. I mean, that's not really that's not a very entertaining uh, matchup. But if if the if the Blue Jackets shut down the Maple Leafs hard first two games, series over. If the Maple Leafs expose Columbus hard first two games, series over. It's good. Those first two games are really good to decide who wins the series. If it's a blowout one way or the other, like it's not going to be like, I know, I know it sounds like, well, duh, but even if it's, you know, if one team is dominating in the crease, if one team is getting way more shots than the other, if one team, if the Maple Leafs are just getting blown out of the water in terms of scoring chances, like, they don't have a lot of backup help, but if Nylander, Marner, Nylander, Marner Matthews, etc., Tavares, the one I'm forgetting, if they go off, uh, good luck Columbus. There aren't many teams in the league that can stop the Maple Leafs offense when they, once they get rolling. Columbus could be one of them, but you know, it's, they have a pretty similar makeup to last year's uh, sweeping team. But that's true. The one thing it, one they thing, didn't lose any defensive players. And the one thing they're missing is that rock-solid goaltender. We're not sure yet about Corpy Salo or Merzlikens. I, I, I like to differ. I'd say Columbus doesn't have that first line that they had last year of Panarin and Duchesne on that first line. I felt like but that will was... Will that matter? Will that matter when... It will. It will. I think because it if will you have... at, to some extent because I do believe Columbus is all around better than Toronto is, but I do think having guys like Panarin and Matt Duchesne do help a team a lot more. I think... The offense has gotten a bit weaker. Obviously, you bring in Nyquist, which I think was a great addition. But defensive-wise, I think it, it just is too big of a gap for even having Tavares, Marner, and Matthews on your team to really close that gap. I Honestly, I believe in the Maple Leafs. I think the Maple Leafs take the series in five. Because if the Maple Leafs find even the f- smallest hole to get to the Blue Jackets goaltender, like the... I, I say the I say the goaltender because I'm not sure if Merzlikens or Corpusala is going to play. Um, but if uh, the Blue Jackets goaltender gets exposed and they're facing 30 plus shots a night, uh, the Maple Leafs are going to score. They are that's what they do best. They're not known for the defensive. They're not known for their defensive play. They're known for just straight up outscoring their opponents. You know, they win a game, win a game seven six, right? If it if it comes to that, but they can do that. They can go goal for goal with the with a lot of the best teams in the league. So if the Blue Jackets 
I don't think the Blue Jackets are going to be able to stop the Maple Leafs for uh, for them to win three games. I think the Leafs take this three to two. I mean, the hard thing, too, is it's not like, oh, these teams last played in early March or late. They played in October. That's, when, that's games, when they last played. Both games they played in, October. in October. Maple yep. Leafs won 4-1 and Blue Jackets won 4-3 in OT. Those games at this point do not have any resonance on what these teams it's look like now. Ten months I ago. Think like the fact that Seth Jones has been injured and now is coming back all 100% ready to go will definitely help their team. I think Columbus just get bleh, pardon me, getting all their players back and healthy is huge for them. Obviously, they had a bunch of injuries down the stretch. As I mentioned, Seth Jones, you had Corpy Salo as well. So I think this is really good for Columbus to come back refreshed and ready to go. And I think that if the pieces and stars align under Tortorella, who's probably a top five coach in the league. Oh, definitely. That's, that's I, not I, a doubt. See, I, I, I'm not going to be shocked when Toronto goes on a run one year but i just don't see it happening this year though i don't know i i feel their time will come where they don't win a cup but they make it close but i i I still can't imagine this year being the year i just don't have that feel let's take a look out west uh columbus in five uh let's take a look out west to noah's favorite uh series the wild and the canucks i'm just gonna say this unequivocally this is going to be a sweep series. This is a sweep watch series. Wild in three. Canucks were a what? bottom ten. Wow. You heard me. Canucks I haven't were a heard bottom, that one yet. Uh, 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 wild in three. I, th- I think. Uh, Please talk and explain. The Canucks were a bottom third of the league defense. The only bright spark real, really was Quinn Hughes. Jacob Truba is not. Will not. You mean Tyler Myers? My bad. Tyler Myers. Jacob Troop is on the other blue team uh, on the yeah, on the, the East Coast. East Coast. Yeah, yeah. Go on. Tyler Myers is not the answer. Quinn Hughes is the answer, but Quinn Hughes alone is not the answer. The Wild uh, are too deep of a team and have too young and fast of a team to not blow past the defense and light up Jacob Markstrom. Jacob Markstrom is a beast, and I don't think he's going to give many open holes. But any open hole that Minnesota will most definitely punch through on the defense, they'll score. Wild in three. I don't think you can, I don't think you can stop Ryan Donato, uh, you know, Ryan Suter. I don't think you can Yala. stop Alex Galchenyuk. I don't think you can stop Jordan Greenway, Luke Kunin. I don't think you can stop the forward group that they have. If you're if you're a very bad uh, Vancouver Canucks defense, and the defense on the on the Minnesota side is pretty good too, they have a pretty they have so a better Suter Dumba Spurgeon, what's his name Brodie Parise Parise is the forward yep. defender. Thank you, but still my point stands. You got Parise, you got Dumba, you got I don't know the defense well enough over there. Staylock or Dubnik and Net, I trust both of them. I don't think uh, Wild and three. The, the Vancouver's defense is not good enough to stop them. Wild and three. Rafi, I, let me go first. Rafi, let me go first. Yeah, it seems like you. It seems like you disagree. I'm. I don't think this is a sweep series, but I think this is going to be the. Uh, I think this is going to be a very entertaining series that a lot of people are not going to pay attention to. I think Wild take this three one. 
for a lot of the same reasons that uh, Logan, or actually all the same reasons that Logan was talking about, the only advantage the Canucks have is in the goalie situation, but Jacob Markstrom can't stop 45 shots a night, guys. He's good. He's not that good. I, I'll give you that he did. He The Canucks, as a team, were bottom five in shots allowed per game, allowing just under a shot. They're basically a shot allowed behind the Blackhawks, which says a lot. Yikes. I, I, I understand what you guys are, where you guys are coming from. I really do, but this is more of a feel pick for me. I just feel like Vancouver is just – I feel like that first line just bolsters them to another level. I really liked how Miller and Patterson were playing on that first line this season, and I like how Besser was playing too in the top six. I think Minnesota does have a slight edge on depth, forward depth. Minnesota does have a better defense. Marshram's a better goalie. I, I, I can't go – like it, it's a hard series to really choose from because neither team really had too much buzz around them this season, so it's not like this team has been like this and this. And I mean, this Vancouver team. had a lot of buzz just because Besser and Pedersen. Well, Markstrom too, for know, the most T- part. Tanner Markstrom, Pearson yeah. was pretty good this season. Uh, JT Miller was one of the most underrated players this season. They had a lot I, of buzz. I but. think I – think I'm, I'm kind of buying the buzz of Vancouver, in my opinion. I, I think it's Vancouver in five. I, I don't – or Vancouver in four or five. I don't think Minnesota's going to size up well against them. I think Vancouver has a few more bigger bodies to, to rough them up. I, I, I have to go Vancouver in four or five. It's not necessarily – Logan, your arguments I can't really go against because they're right. It's more of a feel pick for me. It's a feel I, pick. I, it, it's, I, the yeah. sa- it's the same reason yeah. a couple shows ago that I feel that the Pittsburgh Penguins really aren't getting out of the first or second round. Yeah, it's and the same reason. I'll say I disagree with you, but you can disagree yeah. with me as well. That's what makes it's this a field pick. I, I, I can't, I can't go, I can't really argue against the field pick. Like I can give you the fact it's, that Matt, and like, it's not like this is this is their top three: Greenway, Stahl, Fiala, Parise, Erickson, or Ericksonak, Kunin, Marcus Foligno, like Alex None of those guys really Rebel. like. None of those guys. They're stick all off the good page. guys. They're but all they like all have, fine. Like the only. The only reason I their top three lines compared to all three pair of the Vancouver defense, I'm taking their top three lines just because Without they have guys that they can score. Like Matt Zuccarello, definitely not his best season, by far not his best season. He had 37 points in 65 games played. He can do much better, but in a playoff setting, in a postseason setting, when the season's on the line, and there's no, there is absolutely, I don't think there's any pressure on either side. I think there is less pressure on Minnesota. Than there is on Vancouver. I feel right? I feel in some way there is, but there isn't because you do have some guys who are like Suter and Parisi and Dubnik who are starting to get up into closer yeah. to their mid thirties. But I, I do understand like they're not like getting hyped up at all as normal though. Last comment before we move on to our next series: Minnesota is the most underrated team coming into the playoffs. Uh, that is so false. They oh, are the most like, underrated team. Look for them to look for them to go huge in this series. I don't know who their opponent is. Could be in the first round because I'm assuming they're making it past Vancouver. If they make it past Vancouver, I'm not sure who they're going to play. But look for them to make a competitive series. This is the year Minnesota Wild break out of mediocrity. I said it before, and I'll say it again. They are That's, going to be electric this offseason. Give me two or three series, and then we'll get into or four maybe, and you guys will all hear mine. I think you guys kind of know where I'm heading with this, but yeah. On to the next one. I think we all can agree 
We're gonna say our pick for the Penguins Canadian series. We're, we're just three. gonna go. We're just gonna go one at a time. Rafi. Okay. Pittsburgh in three. I think we Noah? all understand. Uh, Canadians win in one game. Yeah, Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh's taking every game five nothing. I'm taking Pitts. I'm taking Pittsburgh in four just because I think Carey Price. I do think Carey Price. I do think uh, their top line and I do think their defense have enough to get one win out of them. I don't think they can go round after round with Sidney Crosby, uh, Evgeny Malkin, and the rest of the a healthy Jake Getzel right, coming like, back. Yeah, like, like he was. We a can go on and on. John Marino was looking to absolutely shred it. People uh, forget on every inch of the ice that he can get. People forget Jake Getzel was on an absolute tear this season until he got Chris hurt. Chris Letang is looking to take heads off with a shot. Dumoulin's yeah. back. Well, he's I mean, end, but he's going against Shane Weber though. again. Like, and I, that's I, about I, it. They have the capacity to take one game. I don't necessarily think that uh, there's any more in the tank to them. And if they do make it to a five-game five series, I'd be I think shocked. that is a successful postseason. <laughs> if they lose, no, 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 I'm serious. Montreal think, right. has absolutely zero pressure on them. This was not necess- This was a season that they were expected to make the playoffs. When it turned out that they didn't necessarily have the pieces to do so, and now that they're in a position where they where they're in a postseason spot, there is zero pressure because they lose. They have a chance to find their franchise French winger. They win, they get a chance to prove that they're a playoff caliber team. There's no pressure. No, there really is. I, I agree. Let's I, go I back out too west. good, but you're right. Let's yeah. Go back out to the wild, wild west, and I say wild, wild west because you have more of a like a southern comfort. Uh, kind of market against a uh, younger team and a dying market. You got the Predators and the Coyotes. I do think it's going to be Coyotes in five. I think both teams are very similar in composition. I just think that you get uh, Nick Schmaltz going. You get Nicholas Jalmerson on the blue line. You got Oliver Ekman Larson, Clayton Keller, a rejuvenated Phil Kessel, and either, because I think both can do the same job pretty well, Antti Ranta and Darcy Kemper in that, it can't stop them. Yeah, I, I've been back and forth on this series because Nashville's been Nashville. Like, they didn't really lose too many guys. I mean, they, they lost P.K. Subban, but he wasn't even playing too well last season. I like Ellis a lot. I just don't feel confident in their goaltending at all. If they start Rene, I think it's easy for me to say Arizona wins the series in four. If we, if Sorrow starts, I think it's Arizona in five. Phil Castle's one of those guys that when I was mentioning a few players that can step up and kind of wipe away their old regular season that wasn't too good. I think Phil Castle's definitely a guy that can really change turn the tide on how people look at this whole season. I think he's a great playoff performer, and if he steps up big for Arizona, I think this will be a very quick series for Arizona. Between two, th- between the two teams, there are only two above fifty-point scorers and one above sixty-point scorer. But the, the fifty-point scorer was there, Taylor though. Hall. I know the depth is there, but neither of them were offensively talented. Yeah, no, I agree. It's going to be a big defense. I think it's going to be a big. The, the factor for this is going to be their defense, and I trust. I I, I just trust. Uh, playoff pedigree and Stanley Cup uh, wins 
in Stanley Cup pedigree with Nicholas Jalmerson and every literally anyone else that that can be put on that blue line with OEL with Jacob Chikrin, with Alex Goligoski, who technically has his name on a Stanley Cup with Pittsburgh, uh, over any of the cupless uh, Nashville Predators. Well, I mean, they still don't remind gone them. To a, they've still gone on a cup run too. So they did, and they've had they've gone deep a few years too. So let's they not did. take away from that. So I'm they, not taking away from it. I, I, just, I wouldn't say they're inexperienced though. I feel like that's not. I the wouldn't. Right no, term. I I wouldn't say they're inexperienced either. I just think that with the Stanley Cup pedigree that Nicholas Jalmerson brings, and also technically Alex Goligoski brings to the team, as well as just Phil Castle Castle as well, who's got two cups to his name. Nick Schmaltz, who played played uh, post-Stanley Cup winning Chicago, which was still pretty good for that season until they got knocked out 4-0 by the Nashville Predators, consequently. Uh, Vinny Hinnestroza in that same regard. I just think that the forwards for Arizona are primed to be more electric than any scoring player on Nashville. And I think that's going to be the difference maker right there. The fact that they have a younger, faster, and more, I think they have a little more uh, pep in their step than Nashville does. And I think Arizona's defense is slightly better solely because they have cups to their names. And their goaltending is a lot better too. But it's going to be a close series to me. Five games, Arizona. Here's the thing. If Nashville starts Pecorini, that's the last mistake they ever make in that series, and they're getting blown out of the water. If they're smart and they start UC Soros, here's actually what I think is going to happen. I think they're going to start Pecorini in game one because of his, you know, his legacy, whatever you want to call it, his playoff experience, abysmal as it may be. I think they're going to start him game one. I think he's going to absolutely, I think he's going to shit the bed. Uh, See, I think are he, you willing to take that risk, though? You already know that I he's think, probably going to do that. Do they risk I think. It? I think they take the risk. I, here's what I think it's going. That's what I say. Here's what I think it's going to happen. I think it's dumb, but here's what I think it's going to happen. I think to take the risk, they start reading game one. He shits the bed. They lose like four one five two whatever. Then they start Soros, and Soros perform, performs a lot better. I think this is one of the this is one of the series, Rafi. Like you had your feeling. This is the this is the one series that I'm going against the stats. I'm going against the numbers. I'm going against Stanley Cups, and I'm going to take Predators in five. I think they start. I think they lose game one because they're dumb and they start Rene. And once they start Soros, I think this series becomes a hell of a lot closer. And I think Nashville has what it takes to. I think Nashville has what it takes to prove uh, prove us all wrong. There are really two types of Nashville in the playoffs: ones that sweep the Blackhawks, and the ones that go on a deep run, and the ones that have an early exit after a ton of hype. See, so, the thing is, it are depends, they ever going to be? Are they going to be disappointing like they always are? Or are they not? Ryan Johansson. Nashville. Nashville Ryan has Johansson, zero. Ryan Johansson, Matt Duchesne, Kyle Turris, Mikhail Granlin, and then there's also Pacarine. Just players that just haven't really had that spark with it. They with don't the have like Matt Duchesne's a great player. They don't have an all star this season. No. They did not have a true all star. They did not have a thirty goal scorer. And they need that. They need a they need a thirty goal scorer, and they need got more than two guys that can score fifty points a season. And they didn't have that this season. I I just I, don't. I I, I under, I'm not going to argue with a field pick because obviously that would be yeah, very yeah. counterintuitive to my earlier prediction. Mm-hmm. But 
looking i i feel like national big word just, guy over there robbie serafian continue yeah honestly i read a dictionary before all these shows i just don't think nashville has can put has put the pieces together in the right manner and i think this is a season though that i mean noah i you could make the argument that there is some light under the fire like we need to figure things out soon i mean it's not like any other guys like pecorino is 37 but they don't have any like big guys that are like, or really good players that are getting close to the mid thirties. But things are gonna have to change soon if the, this isn't working. If this season and let's say next season gets off to a bad start, Nashville's gonna start moving pieces for sure. They're gonna try getting out that cherry steel. Granlin's likely gonna be gone. Who knows what's gonna happen with Craig Smith this off season? You're probably gonna try getting rid of Bonino. Ryan Ellis and Yossi are locked onto huge term deals making a ton of money like I feel like this season this playoff and next season is going to tell a lot about Nashville Nashville as a whole as an organization as a, and as a team and I think we'll notice after these two seasons technically where Nashville's heading towards where they're trending because I think their door is closing really quickly Let's stick to the Western Conference. Let's finish off the four Western Conference series before we get into our... There's no mistake that uh, we're talking about the Rangers-Hurricane series last. It is, in our eyes, the most interesting. And there isn't much room to argue with it, considering the types of seasons that both those teams have. But let's finish off the West. The Jets and the Flames. Vesna finalist and maybe your Vesna winner, Connor Hellebuck. Versus everybody on the Calgary Flames <laughs> is re- is really not what it boils down to, but that's kind of what the series is. I'm I'm trusting. I, I really do think the Jets are going to run away with the series in four games. I agree. I think Connor Halbuck is. I as I've said before, here's my little like Jets sleeper team. Watch out for them. What you need, as I said before, really good first elite first line, elite goalie, solid defense. And really good forward depth. I think Winnipeg checks off all those boxes. Defense is a bit iffy, well, but I think they yeah. check off all those other boxes, though. Like, even, like, if you look at every single Stanley Cup contender, the top four can be it, but as long as you have a few good guys, you'll, you'll pass as long as you have a goalie having an elite season and you have an elite first line. And I think I'd honestly take Winnipeg's second line over a lot of first lines in the league. I'd say you swap out the center and you plug in, like, Charlie Coyle or someone, that's another great first line. That's um, another team would definitely have as their first line. Here's what I'll say about the Calgary Flames real quick, Noah. Milan Lucic has the most, the the majority of their playoff experience. He is not going to be, he, he needs to be the player he was in Boston. He needs to be. He's got to find it in him. He has to. There is no denying it. Because if he doesn't, don't get me wrong, Johnny Goudreau can handle himself pretty well. Lias Lindholm, Sean Monahan, Matthew Kachuk can handle themselves pretty well in the top six. Andrew Mangiapane up there, too, in the top six. But none of them have the playoff experience like Milan Lucic has. Milan Lucic has played in two cup finals, right? He has a cup to his name. He was a 30-goal scorer. He still has it in him. He's a big-bodied player, and he can. St- I, 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 I still think he has it in him to be a 
over 20-point player, and I think this is the playoffs that are going to prove it. The coaching staff are going to realize that 13 minutes a night for a guy that has the most Stanley Cup playoff experience is not going to cut it, to me at least. They're going to need to lean on Milan Lucic in a different way. Besides, He gets, he gets into the game. I think, it, I mean, you're just dissing his physicality right before I cut you off, but right. I think that's the like, key. He's, I, I, looking at Calgary's team as a whole, I don't think there's anyone else at that kind of level that Milan Lucic is at physically and getting into players' heads. Go on, though. Yeah, that that's really it. Like, I he think he is the guy that is going to set the tone in the locker room, set the tone on the ice. And they're, he's going to see an increase in minutes, I think. And my, I, I think it's going to be a difference breaker for the team. Mm-hmm. If, if, big, if Calgary wants to go on, they got to rely on Milan Lucic more than they probably would normally. I agree. I think a big key, though, overall, is going to be Calgary's first line. We saw last year, and I've brought this up a billion times, Johnny Gaudreau, in Game 5, I want to say, had four, three to four breakaway opportunities, including a penalty shot, to get past Grubauer, and he didn't get any of those by. I, I'm pretty sure Goudreau only had one point in that five-game series. When that first line is hot, you cannot beat them. When the first line is cold, they're worse than the... I'd say the Blackhawks cold versus the Calgary Flames cold, I'd take the Blackhawks cold, in my opinion. And that's a hot take, but I don't care. The Flames need their first line to pull, score. If their first line's not scoring, no one else is going to score on that team. They have guys who can put in a goal or two, but when you're playing against an elite offense like Winnipeg, who can score really with any line, you need to be your first line needs to be buzzing. And this season, the regular season for that first line did not perform well at all. They had a very lack year. That their offense lacked this season compared to their amazing season the year before, and I think it showed in the point totals and the standings as well. So if that first line isn't producing as good as they were last year in the regular season, this there's no way they have a chance at all. They need they need not they need ninety uh what he got ninety nine points last season, ninety nine point yeah. got Johnny Goudreau to show up and everyone to follow suit. Here's here's the thing about the Flames. If you guys were if any of you guys were listening when we were on on air and WGBK radio I said the Flames were not going to make the playoffs. That was my hot take. Uh, I was wrong about that. I still have zero faith in the Flames. They have no depth. Their goaltending duo is absolutely terrible. And like Rafi said, first line, when their first line is cooking, it's going to be difficult to stop them, especially with the weak Jets defense, even with Connor Hallibuck absolutely carrying them. I think he can stop a lot. He can't stop, he can't stop a hot uh, first line of Calgary. But if they are cold, Calgary has no one to rely on. They can't score if their first line is cold. And you really aren't going to score against probably Vesna winner Connor Hellybuck. Like if if you can't if you can barely score when your first line is hot against Hellybuck, there is not a chance in hell you're scoring with your third or fourth line against the best goalie in the league. Like it's just not going to happen. I trust the Flames defense is better than the Jets defense. We rip on the Jets defense a lot. But I think this could be one of the more physical series of the plans, and I don't think the Calgary Flames have what it takes to do just about anything. I think that first line gets hot for a game and steals a game, but they lose 3-1. Yeah. Let's get to the last series we are going to talk about. 
We've talked about it before. They're skin in the game. Canes, Rangers, best defense in the league. One of the most electric offenses down the stretch, despite the fact that they were kind of trending down uh, in the last 10 games. Canes in five for me. So I don't even real, real, real quick. Yeah, because you, you bring it up all the time, too. It's like me saying the Bruins are going to win in seven versus like a team like Toronto. Like We obviously know why I'd do that. I, yeah. I understand your points. You're the Dougie Hamilton. You're the Hurricanes expert. Is he going to miss time versus the Rangers series? Yes. Yes. Rangers in five. I think Dougie Hamilton this season was on pace to be a top three finalist, a Norris Trophy finalist. I think losing him is a big hit. Obviously, the Hurricanes defense is so deep, but when you lose a guy that, I think the difference between losing a guy like him and a guy like Jake Gardner, Gardner are completely different. And I think losing Hamilton is going to hurt their defense a bit more, especially with the season he was having. So I think the Rangers, I really like their first line. I like Panarin and Zibanejad, how they're clicking in the regular season a few months ago. If Shashurkin takes that next step that, we, that we're seeing with Doc right now, I think that the Rangers do have what it take, have what it takes to kind of upset. I wouldn't say it's too big of an upset, but I, I'd say they have a chance to upset. That's an upset for sure. The Hurricanes, even though the, I do like the Hurricanes depth, though I do like their forward depth a lot. But I think having a guy like Brendan Lemieux as well is really helpful for the Rangers if they use him correctly. This series, I'll say it right now. This series, oh, apologies. <laughs> A series. I said series, <laughs> and Siri popped oh, up. I just cured. I just cued mine too. Okay. <laughs> this series entirely, Shut and up. I mean entirely. Did it again. Entirely <laughs> depends on how well Gorgiev, Shosturkin, or Lundqvist play, depending on who's the starter, because they're taking all three. We'll say we'll say um, we'll say Lundqvist is a starter. I don't think he's going to be. We'll say Lundqvist is a starter. Let's say Lundqvist performs out of his mind. Fantastic. Completely shutting down everything. Uh, this series is uh, this series is going the way of the Rangers. But if the Rangers goaltending is fine or it's good or it's there but not really or it's straight up awful, this series goes the way of the Canes, right? The Rangers offense versus the Canes defense. I think the Canes take the edge in that matchup. They have we've talked about it before. The best, the deepest defense in the league. That's not even a question. One of the best defense is probably in contention, but it's top. I think it's the best in the league um, all around and the top line and everything. Um, I, the Canes have the matchup. The weakest part of the Canes squad is their goaltending. That Mrazic is average. He's a, he's a fine goaltender. He's serviceable, especially playing behind the defense. But I don't think the Rangers goaltenders have what it takes to stand up to the Canes offense. Honestly, I'm becoming more and more confident in the Canes every day in this series. I used to say Rangers in five. Now I'm going Canes and Canes in four. They win this series three one. I, I think I think this could be a series that definitely backfires on me. I wouldn't be shocked if it does. Th- this happens. is such a bipolar series. Both teams have the makeup to to do literally. Both teams have the makeup to make this one of the highest scoring series and one of the lowest scoring series. Both yep. teams have the makeup for one of them to sit and die and get sweeped. Can go both ways. Their goaltending can both be electric. 
as we saw in the postseason last year with Peter Morazic. And, you know, the regular seasons that Shostyurkin and Georgiev and Henrik all had. Here's, this here's is my, a bipolar series to me. Yeah. Here's my X factor, though, for this game. And it's not a no specific player can control this. It's the schedule. They have their first game on Saturday at 11 a.m. to kick off the play in Palooza. And their <laughs> next game two and game three, which are arguably the two biggest games in a plane's best of five series are back-to-back days. One's at 11 a.m. The next day, it's 7 p.m. If either of those teams wins 5-0, 5-1, wins in a blowout fashion where nothing went right for the other team, you can't, if you're down 1-0 and then you, you go down 2-0 after a game like that, I can't see you coming back the next day and winning no matter who, what team you are. There's only a handful, maybe mm-hmm. one or two teams I'd say can come back from that. If it's 1-1 afterwards, I think the momentum goes to the next team, and that's 2-1, and then they're one win away. I think the game two and three being back-to-back days is going to be a really big factor if one of the teams blows out the other team in game two. I think game two is going to be an X factor for this series. I agree. Like I said, I think this series is a very bipolar series. I think it can go completely one way, completely the other, a dominant force one way, dominant force the other, super even, super low scoring, super high scoring. One team sits and dies. The other one sits and dies. It is such a bipolar series. I'm still taking Canes in five. I think that I I really... Rod Brindamore has these players bought into a system in such a way that the only person that can match is John Tortorella. And I genuinely think, besides winning the series, Brenda Moore is going to out-coach the, uh, the Rangers. I think I, it, it, it's, it's a system thing. They're bought in to Rod Brenda Moore himself. Essentially, is what it what it is, and who wouldn't want to buy into someone that works out every day? And if he doesn't work out, he's pretty pissed, and he's a ripped guy. I'd be pretty scared of him. They bought in, and they're there for the long haul. And I think a lot of that has to do with Rod Brendamore. Like there's it, a lot. To be, there's a lot to be said about coaching. Honestly, uh, I think this is. This is one of two series where we talked about where coaching is going to make a difference, right? Tortorella in the Blue Jackets and the Maple Leaf series, and now Tortorella, this one. Tortorella, I, I think that, the, real quick, that just going back to it, that's another reason that I think Tortorella and the Blue Jackets, and I say Tortorella and the Blue Jackets for a reason. Sheldon Keefe, this is his first time as a head coach because Babcock got fired in a playoff series. Not that he hasn't been with the team during the playoffs, because he has. He's been with the team since they've been good in the uh, 16-17 season. John Tortorella is going to outcoach Sheldon Keefe in the same way that I think Brenda Moore is going to outcoach... Who is it? Lindy Ruff? Yeah. I believe so. It... it, I I think it just comes down to coaching, buying into a system in the defense, for me. That's Kane's in five. I think it's as simple as that. The Rangers, well, offense heats up. Like, the Rangers offense heats up. 
and that's going to be that will be a, one of the most. Uh, remember how I said the Columbus Columbus defense versus Toronto offense, like the Canes defense versus a hot Rangers offense will be the most fun thing to watch in the play-in series if it happens, right? If the Rangers get going, Panarin, Zibanejad, and crew against the Canes defense, like that will be some of the best hockey you will see in a in a while. It will be a strategy, pure um, individual plays, teamwork. Like it will be, it will be the whole shebang. Like you'll see, you will see everything if you get to watch that matchup. I think this is Adam Fox got traded from Carolina, right? Yeah. So you have Adam Fox who got traded from he just didn't Carolina want to, play to in Carolina. He was uh, stubborn. Just about give it. me, just give me a sec. He got traded from Carolina to the Rangers. Brady Shea gets traded from a Rangers team that looked to be selling, but obviously they're in this position now. Sells him to Carolina. We got some, we got some interesting history between the two teams this past season. So it'll definitely be a fun one. That about wraps it up for this episode of the Puck Talk Live podcast. Bit of a longer episode, but, you know, considering that this is going to be the only episode this week and we're only, you know, we're transitioning to one episode a week while the playoffs are happening, uh, asterisk next to that statement, I think it's okay. Hopefully you guys enjoy uh, the longer episodes. It's, this was a fun one for me just because it's playoffs. We, we have it today, meaning the time that this podcast is uploaded we are going to be seeing live semi-competitive because i consider the exhibition games pretty competitive especially in the type of environment that they're in considering that a lot is on the line for an exhibition game because this is the first game they have until the series starts and until the round robin starts this is the first time we're seeing competitive hockey since march 12th march 11th it's a good day for hockey It's a good day for sports. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode. Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram at PuckTalkLive. Be sure to hit myself, Logan Rosengard, up on Twitter at LJRosengard. Rafi, why don't you plug yours real quickly? Rafi, S8819. Noah, why don't you plug yours? Noah underscore Foster18 on Instagram. Disagree with our predictions. Agree with our predictions. Think that Connor Hollybuck shouldn't win the Vesna? DM us on our personals. DM us on our the actual Instagram account. Let us know what you think. Comment on our posts. Like our stuff. You guys know the drill. Thanks again for listening to this episode. We will see you guys next week on Tuesday after we have a full weekend of opening series and round-robin games to discuss and chew and devour. And still be talking about, because while we're recording, there is going to be games happening. So don't be surprised if we kind of break down live events as they happen. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you guys next week. We hope you have a great rest of your day.